Hello, Radio Bel Air. Welcome to Casual Tuesday Talks. <laughs> CTT? CTT. Um, guests, please come closer to the apparatus mm -hmm. here. Um, so, today is Tuesday, and I have two awesome guests for Tuesday with me. Um, and we're going to be talking just very casually and friendly, fr friendlyly about, you know, anything that strikes our heart. But mostly we're going to be focusing on um, the power of storytelling with craft. Um, and maybe we can toss in like our childhoods, like where we came from, what we aspire to do, um, how we want to envision our communities being better in the future. Um, but I have here um, Zaria and Calvin, um, and I met you both separately through very different circumstances. Um, Zaria is a co-founder of a non-startup disclaimer gallery um, where I had um, a piece in um, the gallery for like a month and a half. Um, and then I met Calvin through a series of tech conferences, um, and I really liked his vibe. <laughs> and so I felt like the vibes would would co-mingle today and create this giant, lovely other vibe. Um, and so that's why I invited my guests today. There's some weird music going on in the background right now. Oh, wow. Do, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of <laughs> into it. Okay, this is a pretty good a good <coughs> thing for us. I'm into <laughs> I, can, I can do this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, roll, roll with the punches. So just to... Like I guess set a framework for our talk today. Um, what are you both working on right now, and where, and why are you in New York? I guess, and like, why is New York the place to do it? Mm. Yeah, this music's really loud. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Calvin, would you like to start or well, come come up? Is this live? Okay. Yeah, it's live. Oh. This is live. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Our live people. <laughs> yeah, it's live. Um, so uh, this is Aria. This is Aria. <laughs> yes. Um, as Faye mentioned, I am a, a co-founder and co-curator of Disclaimer Gallery. So um, it's a collective of um, six of us in terms of who are uh, collaborating with curatorial things. You know, so we each. Um, choose an artist. Sometimes we work together to choose an artist and give them a platform for about three weeks to a month. So it's really awesome to see how that always like switches up and we just have had like an amazing year in terms of um, the artists who have been so gracious to, you know, exhibit with no, us. No, you're so gracious. And, oh, <laughs> and you as well. Um, outside of that, I'm trying to keep it up with my own <laughs> work in art form, um, mainly with um, textile work and mixed media and collage. And I'm also, I um, work as a teaching artist in different yeah. schools um, throughout the city. Really? Yes. Okay. And, and you're a doula. <laughs> Yes, and I am a doula, so I am in uh, the birth work field or yeah. a birth worker, <laughs> um, so assisting moms during um, childbirth and labor. Uh -huh. and Are you expecting any soon? No, not myself. Don't forget. No, no, I, no, uh -huh. not oh, you, but <laughs> okay. the general. Yeah. yeah, I just had a birth on Thursday, so I 
just saw the mom for our um, postpartum follow-up session yesterday, I and they're doing know. very yeah. well. I, yeah. I want to talk so much more about that, but we can mm-hmm. yeah, wrap around. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I want to hear more about Good it. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> Good at this. Because I, <laughs> I know, I know we'll be um, excited. My name is Kelvin Stalvig, and I'm, I'm working at Beam Center as a director of teen programming. And Beam Center is a makerspace. We focus on uh, teaching children, teenagers, as well as teachers how to incorporate making skills into their lives. So we do everything from um, physical computing, digital fabrication, to welding, uh, large-scale projects that require a lot of research on the part of teachers and, and uh, engineers and makers, and et cetera. So, I teach teenagers specifically, and I'm working to teach them not only maker skills, but also how to work with children in after-school programs. Mm-hmm. New York City has tons of after-school programs that are that are funded by various organizations, and all of them are are doing incredible work. But there's a huge need for for people that want to care for children mm-hmm. and support them in after-school programs. And create an environment that's not school after the school hours, right. which is a lot of times what I discover. So, yeah. mm-hmm. um, so we, we do fun crafts. We're teaching stuff r- related to ecology. But also I have a background in textiles, um, uh, a strong interest in textiles and craft as well, folk craft. Awesome. That's why y'all are Which here. is why I'm here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> do it on the sly. I'm just like... So, Zari, I, I was looking at your website and was seeing a lot of Senegalese <laughs> textiles. What what kind of textiles are you working with specifically? Um, so, as of late, one, I'm terrible in terms of um, updating my site, <laughs> in which you oh, yeah, <laughs> may too, have seen. Too, don't <laughs> so it's, I think yeah, it's everyone. I'm trying to pick that back up. Um, <laughs> but uh, for myself, I've actually been doing more research. So... I just got back from Ghana um, a few months ago, and I came back in September, so I was able to go to the Volta region and um, research some of the traditional kente cloth and um, speak to some of the weavers. And it was actually a studio that I found, like, randomly on Instagram, and I started uh, following them. And I've been following them for about, like, maybe a a little over a year. And I was like, I have to meet them, you know, while I'm here. So it was kind of towards the end of my trip, but I was able to travel there. Um, And a lot of, if you know anything about Kente itself, maybe um, most people may know that it's um, from the Kumasi region. Um, But there's also the Ewe or Ewe people that are more um, east, and that's the Volta region. So we're talking about closer to, like, Togo, um, going on to other countries in Nigeria, Benin and Nigeria. Um, But they're a a more um, eastern sect. So there's kind of this interesting – it's not competition, but there's kind of that thing, like, you know, we were the first. No, we were the first. But the name itself is a a, – like an airway name or, you know, or from a um, particular dialect. So it's kind of like – it's really interesting, um, you know, seeing that. But I've always been, you know, interested um, in folk art um, and specifically in textiles and how you're able to literally weave, you know, in stories and um, so much culture is present in it. Um, 
I would say my interest in it, um, I guess it sparked from my parents being tie-dyers. Like, they mm-hmm. did tie-dye and batik work. And then, like, when I was born, it kind of just, like, <laughs> it just fell to the wayside. But it was always around. Like, it right, was always, right. you know, and that's the beauty of it as well. Like, the utilitarian purpose of it, mm-hmm. um, seeing, like, um, the artistic value of it and seeing, you know, like, wall hangings. But you right. can actually wear it. Yeah. And then having... Um, certain symbols even speaking from maybe which seat you're from Mm -hmm. as maybe a chief or king or you know in some type of kingdom you know without speaking you you know there are symbols in it it tells people about your lineage Mm -hmm. and things so i've been very interested in that and trying to learn you know about some other forms and other places as well right what is the quality of the cloth look like Beautiful, and I can show you some photos. Um, is it, or is, it, is there a specific <laughs> color or pattern? Well, that's the thing. Um, there are certain colors that mean different things. There okay. are certain um, stitchings and symbols that mean certain things that can tell, you know, uh, relay where a person is from and maybe even what they do. Um, and then I'm just going to tell our neighbors to keep it yes. down a little bit. Yeah, so. Cool. Right. Um, and it's also been, uh, I was lost a little bit of track, but um, it's typically, so for Kente in particular, it's been, it's a mixture of um, cotton and silk. Sometimes it's more cotton. Really? Sometimes it's, okay. yeah. But, and also you have to, it's, you know, yards and yards long. So sometimes there are, you know, individuals who choose one fabric, you know, or fiber over the other because it can be very heavy Um, and they what I've learned you know culturally they've made fun of people like oh that's a first timer because they're always like trying to readjust it or they don't know how to wear it and it's weight Um, so that's kind of really was really interesting um, learning from those individuals that's incredible yeah and what about yourself I feel like I've just been (laughs) speaking so much I want to know about how you got into it or like what your interests um you also did a tie-dye workshop. Right? Yeah, I did, I did an indigo shibori tie-dye. Oh, so or Japan, Japanese, Japanese yeah, art, yeah. Um, utilizing indigo. I did that at the Invisible Dog over mm-hmm. on Bergen Street yeah. here in Brooklyn. Um, really good friends of mine. Right. And I'm sorry, not to cut you off, but Beam Center was actually they, their Beam location. Beam Center their used original to be in that location. In that location, yeah, right. Or they, were, they were a tenant in the mm-hmm. Invisible Dog. And then you all moved to Red Hook. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now we're based in Red Hook, 62nd Street. Yeah. Um, so my background, I, I come from northern Wisconsin, Minnesota, and my interest in textiles is is a lot uh, is closely investigating Scandinavian textiles and and wool. Northern Wisconsin's a cold climate. Mm-hmm. Half of my family is of Scandinavian origin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's lost to a lot of people because I'm black and I've never I never knew my father and so I I really was just trying to cling to any sort of cultural mm-hmm. understanding of what it means to be a person in mm-hmm. a in a community and the whole community is is very white my family's white and so I was just kind of like yeah I'm I'm Norwegian my last name's Norwegian <laughs> Yeah <laughs> that's what I was wondering it sounds very like Nordic. Yeah, yeah, my family or my mom's side of the family, they immigrated through Trondheim. Mm. To, uh, they came to New York and then eventually northern Wisconsin. Mm. And I I love being cold I, or <laughs> out in the cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I also really love all of those objects that we be, we bring into our lives that support 
the warmth and and the feeling of coziness and mm-hmm. and um, especially in dark seasons and or the dark season and the cold season. Um, so I do a lot of knitting and a lot of Scandinavian patterns. Um, mm-hmm. But recently, this is um, aside. I was in South Carolina. I was um, down in south of Charleston, and that region is known, obviously, for cotton, and then also indigo. Mm. They were important crops for the United States. And I had this really strange experience driving through cotton fields thinking, cotton is inextricably linked to my my story as a black person in America. Mm-hmm. And growing up in, in elementary school, we'd talk about the slaves and how we set them free, thank oh. God, and then <laughs> they were picking cotton, and then um, the cotton gin was invented, and then it just made the slaves' lives so, so much, much better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, wow. And I was always like, oh, thank God for the cotton gin. Um, <laughs> but I had this really strange moment while driving through these fields in South Carolina. I thought, I have never in my life picked cotton. <laughs> Though it's, it's like I somehow have this assumption or like feeling that I pick cotton like that's what I do or that's what I've done and it's a part of my history so driving through these fields I've thought I know how to process the wool from a sheep and then spin it into a yarn and then dye it and then knit it into a Scandinavian sweater however I know nothing of this product that is is a part of at least my skin mm-hmm. and that is so and my interesting mm-hmm. yeah um I thought, well, I should. I need to start exploring that. So it's it's a process that I'm exploring. Oh. Now. It's really interesting because it's like you don't know of it yet. No. Yet. Yeah. Um, because you've already, like you said, um, kind of been studying the Scandinavian techniques and picking up on that end. And I guess it would maybe have been a, like maybe a full circle moment for you. I don't know. Oh, in it was terms to- of yeah, like, it was totally okay, I need to do this. So that's, I was like, that's so okay, interesting. I'm really into the the wool of the north mm-hmm. and then cotton of the south. Right. And I really felt like I was like, You're in between this kind is of me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need to bridge these. I need to bring these together. That's amazing. Yeah. But natural fibers, I'm mm-hmm. I'm a huge proponent of natural fibers and I really want yeah. more people to know that ninety four percent of American drinking water has microfiber plastic in it. Wow. Because our clothing is so synthetic. Mm-hmm. So every time you wash your mm-hmm. laundry these microfibers just get washed into the water. And and we have more plastic in our water, in our drinking water, than any other nation in mm. the world. Mm-hmm. Wow. I find that it's is, is New York, like, very bad on this scale, or is it? Hmm, I don't really know. I mean, get a Brita. <laughs> yeah, I think a Brita will definitely <laughs> Whatever. I mean, it will it? I don't know. <laughs> as much as it can. Or, like, a charcoal stick. I don't... Yeah, I have no idea yeah. how those things work, yeah. but I, I just know, know like I'm I, I, I'm gulping plastic. Yeah, better to drink water than not, though, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, mean, Very true. I agree. I'm going for like the minimum right now. <laughs> like, yeah, um, so fascinating. Well, textiles yes. textiles tell stories. I, this is what you're saying mm-hmm. um, related to your trip to Ghana and doing that research, where colors mean something mm-hmm. and. Patterns, holy moly, uh, patterns mean something. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I, I, I don't really know the actual um, 
connections from one pattern to its meaning or one color to its meaning, but the storytelling has been such an important part of my experience getting into textiles. Mm -hmm. And when I started, I, I just kind of showed up to a knitting store. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I, you know, I want to learn how to knit. And then I'd go back again and again and again, and eventually I was like the tall black guy that would show up, and it would all be just short, old, white women. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd be hanging out and talking patterns, and nice. and then I would travel to other parts of the country, and I would say, oh, there's a knitting store. I want to mm -hmm. check that out. And I'd go in, and they always look at me like I'm crazy mm. and like I'm misplaced. Mm. And then it's this really lovely experience of getting to know um, women, especially, mm -hmm. in a community and allowing textiles to just be an entry point into the community right. and that's where stories are told mm -hmm. you sit you're knitting or you're weaving right, right. and you have a lot of time yeah this is a very uh meditative process and like in oh, the yeah. in the present kind of mm -hmm. right yeah mm -hmm. but it, i don't know it's it's like you're literally weaving it into the the pattern right mm -hmm. and then you literally wear it like that seems it's a very direct connection i think um, I mean, I, I work in the digital space, so it's, like, very different, you know? Um, there's never really that feeling of, like, corporeal immediacy, I mm -hmm. guess, or tangibility um, in what I do. So I find it really, really inspiring to, like, hear from people that work in such different ways um, and with, like, storytelling um, and in a medium in a way that I'm not used to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This music is just really interesting, so I can't mm -hmm. <laughs> but <all> pause. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> 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 We're just like, mm, let it take us away. <laughs> but yeah. I had I had a thought once that if you knit a sweater, mm -hmm. or I, I you know knit a couple sweaters, it's about sixty hours, and you do each stitch. You know each stitch takes a second, which you know if you add that up, that's a lot of mm -hmm. that's a lot of seconds. Mm -hmm. But each one is a thought. Right. That, like if you were to go catalog, back yeah. it's it's essentially a catalog and I watched you know, I've watched a lot of T V and I've been through really dark moments and I've had I've like looked at knitting that I've done and I'm like, Oh god, I remember what I was <laughs> thinking mm -hmm. when I yeah. knit. Like a certain patch, is it like tighter because you're like yeah, stressed likely. out yeah. or something? The subway knitting, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you can like see it. Like something's mm. up. Yeah, you're like, oh, it's a little tight here. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I mean, for, for me, it's like, oh my God, that's like data visualization, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah, because I'm, I, I'm like, I don't have a body sometimes, you know, I'm just so cyber. Mm hmm that's interesting. <laughs> no, I'm trying to hold on to mine as long as I can. No, that's 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 the good way to do it, I think, because I don't think our minds are actually getting uploaded anytime soon. Like, I'm gonna die before that happens. So, you know. Anyway, um, <laughs> well, I w yeah, I'm curious more to hear more also about, um, like, you, you were telling a little bit about your background and like how you came to do this kind of work, um, and I was also curious about your background too. Like, were you like your parents were artists? Right. Um, and, you know, also in terms of like becoming a doula, like at what point did I mean, was that part of your childhood, like being more um, close to that process, I guess, um, or women or not at families? All. <laughs> well, in terms of um, birth work, no. Yeah. Um, but my mother, she has always been the one. Well, she's the oldest of all of her siblings. And that's about 
11 of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, anytime, and, and like really her siblings were trying to also like her children, yeah. <laughs> you know, because right. they're all stair steps. So of course you had that responsibility. Mm-hmm. And like we, our house, um, anytime with anyone was sick, definitely like her siblings yeah. having surgery or something. She's like, oh, you don't need, come here. You know, it's one, you know, just be on the first floor. There's no steps. You don't need to go, you know, oh, like right, yeah. we've always, I just remember mm-hmm. our home always having someone there, always. <laughs> or right. even if, you know, Same. something happens and someone Same. needs someone, mm-hmm. somewhere to stay and it's only supposed to be a few weeks. That turns into a few months. Yeah. So you, yeah, you that know, happened. That happened and it happens again <laughs> and again. <laughs> it gets to the point where it's like, okay, that's that's my mother, and I just can't. That's who she is. But right. I think, um, um, as, like, I want to disclaim that I don't. I have never like um, defined myself as a healer, but mm-hmm. I am very interested in that work and like holistic modalities, mm-hmm. um, specifically in birth work it just it came to me through my um self-guided studies in herbalism Mm -hmm. and um just also kind of like knowing these horrendous statistics in terms of like infant mortality rates Mm -hmm. for um black and latino women Mm -hmm. um and knowing that in new york itself it's um 12 i think um the ratio is like 12 to 1 Mm -hmm. in terms of the deaths 12 um uh, women of color yeah. versus one the in a nat- first world country. right in a fr- exactly yeah. in a developed first world so it's kind right. of like you have to go elsewhere to have right better care yeah. or more chances of survival which totally. is like insane mm-hmm. um, and on that note the national um, and not to get all statistical here but <laughs> the national numbers are four to one mm-hmm. so we're talking about a city in itself is triple in those numbers right. you know and it just it didn't make any sense to me um i was able to receive a scholarship to um train with an organization in brooklyn um do a doula training and it's been amazing in terms of um we weaving that into everything else that i do weaving. yeah <laughs> exactly weaving and which i don't i, I want to learn i, oh, I don't I don't, yeah. I, don't <laughs> I don't knit or anything disclaimers, but disclaimers. I right <laughs> So, um, yeah. Wait, how many years has it been that you've been doing this? Uh, it's been a little over two okay. years. Yeah. yeah. And how many births have you witnessed or helped um, helped along? It's been seven births, actually, because okay. I'm actually, I'm still, like, teaching and doing yeah, X, yeah. Y, and Z. Yeah, so, definitely. and it's, and that's another thing, too, just kind of, like, knowing which month I can kind of, like, take something on. Oh, because um, of the stress levels and emotions. Right, and even yeah. just the um, spontaneous nature mm-hmm. of birth itself, right. you know, right. which I've been, it's been pretty okay in terms of, like, letting other employers know, like, hey, this is what I do. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, there are, you know, it's probably a certain month where mm-hmm. I'm really, because I am on call, you know, like, right. usually two weeks before the due date and two weeks after because yeah. you never know right. it's up to the baby when they want to show up right. um but i do a lot of postpartum work as well mm-hmm. that's more you know that's something that, that can really be scheduled because mom and baby is here mm-hmm. and i can actually like okay let's plan this out so there's um help with you know prenatal and postpartum even mm-hmm. if i'm not like directly assisting a mother during labor right 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 yeah seven births is uh seven more than no six more than i've witnessed because i guess i witnessed my own birth right even though i don't Mm -hmm. recall that happening or not just yet at least maybe it's tucked 
way way back That's or maybe totally not even maybe it's not even stuck so far back yeah. maybe there's some type of tapping into yeah. what we have to do who knows maybe there's a but small <laughs> percentage of it in everything that it's a trauma so, yeah. i know it was right. a trauma because yeah. you're ripped out from your safety into this thrown into this, this terrible place crazy crazy place so we're, we're still standing we are so. still standing i i witnessed the birth of my nephew mm. who's uh, about to be eight. Oh wow! Okay. And that was a really re remarkable experience because my sister is younger than I am mm -hmm. by two years, and I was in college at the time, and she I think was twenty. And to actually see my sister give birth to a child yeah. and then be knocked over the head with some realization that she has surpassed me in a way in her human oh, experience wow. and that she is wiser than oh. I am in so many ways and to see her as a mother also I learn from her that's beautiful and even though I'm older than her and I'm you know the the like head of the family <laughs> some some of as I think is the case yeah and yet I witness the women mm -hmm. in my family perform incredible care and oh. and I'm 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 really left humbled, and I think they know things that I can absolutely never know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I was just home two weeks ago. It was unexpected. My mm -hmm. other sister, she had a child who's premature, mm -hmm. and after 11 days, there was the decision to let him go because his lungs weren't developed. Mm -hmm. And I flew in the next day after that happened. To, to offer some support or, mm -hmm. and offer support. And the only thing I could do was watch yeah. and listen mm -hmm. and then see my grandmother there, my mom there, my sister there, and then you know her daughter, who's, who's three, and just really feel that, that power and think, this has been with humans yeah. for as long as we've we've been around humans yeah mm -hmm. and there is the joy of giving birth and the celebration and then there's this other very like something i i will never under understand um or ever feel and so it's been challenging to see my sister also have to deal with deal yeah, with and, and ask herself should i have waited a little bit longer before mm. we we allowed him to pass or should I have told the doctors no I want to keep fighting yeah. um, I, I was watching births online too mm -hmm. a couple years ago I got into oh, really? watching them on Vimeo Wow. What? <laughs> oh, yeah. You should see it. I just cried the whole time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. This is so beautiful. <laughs> uh, there, I think birthing videos are the new wedding the new video. Mm -hmm. Do you ever have cameras at your births? Um, in hospitals, they aren't typically allowed, but at birthing centers, mm -hmm. um, which a few of my births have, I've never done a home birth, yeah. not just yet, mm -hmm. but I have been to a birthing center a few times, and they do allow you to do as you please, even yeah. in terms of allowing the moms to eat, you know, and mm -hmm. just kind of oh, birth. during the birth? Yeah, or oh. just um, just period during like okay. labor itself. Right. Um, a lot of times in the hospital, they don't allow you to. They don't allow um, you to do anything. Like, <laughs> stay yeah, right there. I mean, and there's, in this there's position. you know, um, no doubt about it. There's amazing care in, in both in all fields. Mm -hmm. But yes, in terms of 
us knowing what you know Western medicine is like, right. and um, and especially just the the birthing realm, how it's kind of like done for the convenience of the mm. doctor in terms of this mm. preposterous mm. position that a mom is in, you know, just lying straight down right. and those different things. But yeah, it's, um, they have it's awesome to see like when they are able to. Um, record and bring in you know more than one other family member you know and just like have their family and be supported in um, a lot of different ways and I'm sure even with you um, maybe not knowing how to comfort your sister in that particular moment that just your presence in itself and like you said all you could do was listen you um, couldn't imagine how much that I'm sure meant to her you know in terms I'm sure that's something that she even now and in the future will always be processing and things like that but having that that support um even if it isn't so verbal or like hands-on or one-on-one it doesn't have to be your presence alone um thanks for saying that yeah Yeah, i i really did feel a new a new way of being present and Mm -hmm. my friend space holding space we say say that a lot and particularly in you know, in the, in the birth field. Yeah. Um, but for any, I mean, we can all hold space. We all need to, and we have to learn in terms, like, especially for our friends and loved ones. But that's what it, what you definitely were doing, yeah. holding space for her. Yeah. My, my friend Courtney Cook, who's a poet down in Austin, at UT Austin, she says, show up. Sh- like, oh, there you go. Yeah. Holding space and showing up. And I've been thinking and wondering what does that look like and mm. when i went home i hate flying mm-hmm. right i like it but i'm terrified in mm. some way and so i think that's also why i go home so little mm-hmm. but when i got there I was like this is showing up like yeah. this is yeah. this is being present and mm-hmm. god it it changed my life i think mm-hmm. it's yeah. definitely left a deep impression that's really um, beautiful yeah mm-hmm. i'm wondering I, I want to go back to something you were you mentioned about the statistics of children of color mm-hmm. and and the infant infant mortality rate related mm-hmm. to that. Um, I was thinking that it somehow is also related to poverty and the deep the deep depression that the body experiences in poverty. Mm-hmm. I we grew up very impoverished Mm -hmm. and when I was rocky on my New York start you know Mm -hmm. counting pennies trying to get a coffee I could feel it in my body Mm -hmm. and I my body was greatly affected by the poverty of just a month or a week of not having enough money and there are there are women across America who don't have enough money to even buy milk or Mm. buy diapers Mm -hmm. buy butt wipes buy baby formula and and i think that that must affect the body absolutely and the fetus as an extension um even in terms of what we know um with ptsd Mm. you know that post-traumatic stress and i guess i'm speaking specifically um of black and african-americans in this country and um, the history of being enslaved is that that stress is genetic Mm, and it travels through generations. Like, it's very real. And even outside of using that as an example, any type of stress, you know, and it does, it travels to, um, through you, it's it's embedded in you, you know, and and I think that's why I'm so 
kind of in a sense focused um, on, you know, kind of like that healing aspect. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, a lot of times like you're feeling so helpless and like, what can I do? And I feel for me, my work in the doula sphere is maybe that as well as other things that I'm trying to learn, you know, more of. And um, because they always say that it it starts with like healing yourself first and uh, and then allowing, you know, healing your loved ones and things. And I feel like that's so important right now. Like a lot of times, you know, we're especially this crazy state that we're in, um, in the world, (laughs) specifically Mm -hmm. this nation, um, there has to be more healing. Um, But you're very right in terms of how that can affect um, a person, a person's offspring and, you know, lasting effects. And when you are discriminated against in so many different, you know, a system of, you know, discrimination, we're talking about inadequate health care, um, no housing, um, jobs, all of these different things. Like, of course, it's going to affect your, like, (laughs) literal fiber in your body, you know, and how you're able to, um, to move and go about yeah. as a person in this in this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. like, I yeah, I grew up. Um, I was born in China, mm-hmm. um, in the Northeast. So, like, basically Wisconsin, like the Wisconsin of China. Um, I want to go there. Uh, it's <laughs> it's really awesome in the winter because there's like ice sculptures and stuff, like these huge castles mm-hmm. with like lights inside. But anyway, so like my parents, um, like my mom gave birth to me when I was 26, and like apparently everyone says. Oh, all she ate was like ramen, you know, like cup cup noodle, right? Like no nutrients. This is why you're so weak, right? Like I had terrible eyesight. Um, I had like growing pains for a long time because like my limbs were just growing too fast. Um, and like I, I think I have like a low immune system or, or like a weak immune system or something. Um, and so these things contributed to me being like, I'm very healthy on the internet, you know, <laughs> like. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the way that like I'm living kind of like not so much in the body. So it's really, mm-hmm. it's really great for me to hear when people are in their bodies <laughs> and like what they can do with mm-hmm. them. Um, it's, it's great. It's inspiring. Yeah. 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 Cause I'm just, I'm like in the waves right now, like in the mm-hmm. wave, the radio waves, the radio waves. Yeah. <laughs> in, in our, this is a first for me actually. Really? Being in the radio wave. Oh, it's yeah, great. Yeah. You're doing great. Yeah, I, I gotta say it's a pleasure being here. Yay. Yeah, it's good definitely. Company. Likewise. Yeah, and like, um, yeah, the body. It's so. I, I've been thinking about this more lately. How I feel like I'm, I'm a lot of the times just like in my mind, mm-hmm. like, and not really in the body. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I, like, I try things. I try the yoga. I try the meditation. But I just, I, I'm like somehow my mind like resists to being like convinced that I need to be in my body. It's really mm-hmm. strange, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It's I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, I want to speak more about that. <laughs> like, in this, I know we don't have enough time here yeah. because um, also what you presented um, at disclaimer was you know Cy- amazing with the cyborg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it you know it sheds like a little more light into even that um, I guess a personal experience mm-hmm. of yours as a creator of that. And yeah, yeah. I guess that's for another, <laughs> another time. Uh, when, whenever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've been thinking about healing a lot as well, mm-hmm. and the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- part of it is also that Bjork just came out with her new album, mm-hmm. Utopia. I don't know if you've listened to it. We should play it. a song later. Oh my God, it is so good. But it, it's 
comes after her previous album, which was very much about the trauma of the breakup of, of um, her relationship mm-hmm. and her marriage. And I was listening to her previous album, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not sure I like it. It's mm-hmm. a bit accusatory. Like, mm. she's not taking a lot of responsibility for, her, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, relationships are two-way streets, and totally. I, I can't say that I know anything about the relationship, but um, one thing that I have learned from my own relationship is that it you do have to take a lot of responsibility, and the more you put blame on the other people in your life, the less control you seem yeah. you are able to to have mm-hmm. and so what i loved about this album and it came right when i'm kind of getting into this idea of healing and mm. like oh you just gotta it's it's all about healing mm. and the gate is the the song that came out first and it came out with an album or a, a video that was a collaboration with alessandro michel from gucci mm-hmm. and the dress that's featured in this mm-hmm. video it takes like 700 hours. Oh my god! Because it's all handmade. Wow! And there's like PVC fabric in in it, and um, beautiful millinery, and and hand beading. At any rate, the whole point of this song, or you know, the the, the message is that there was a chest wound. She says, mm. "My my chest wound." Um, healed and it turned into a gate and from it I can give love and receive love mm-hmm. and then the rest of the song is her essentially saying I care for you I mm-hmm. care for you wow. and that was a really interesting thing to hear because in a relationship you're always saying I love you right. and I love you you know is supposed to be proof of, of the value of the relationship and I found it so interesting to think of caring for another person saying you know, I come into this world completely alone mm-hmm. I mean there's a doula by my side <laughs> supporting me um, and then I leave it alone mm-hmm. completely and so our relationships are meant to support one another in our very personal journey mm-hmm. and and the best relationships are when we recognize that I I mean we are not one. Mm-hmm. We are two separate individuals, and our our task is to support the love and care and transcendence of of our personal experience. And that's why I love that song. Mm-hmm. And it came right when I was kind of like coming up with these oh. thoughts separately. And then it just reminded me that Bjork really is. I think she's a demigoddess because she's human, absolutely, right. and yet she is um, somehow bringing us more. Yeah, but I need to listen to this. We'll play yeah. a song. Oh yeah, yeah. please do. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like she she goes through a lot of different stages, right? Like we're really yeah. growing with her, and she's growing. Um, sorry, I got I just hear everything, I you hear know, it all. and uh, yeah. yeah, but but yeah, I, I think we're we're really like writing with her and she's very honest about everything mm-hmm. that she portrays and that I think that's really great to be like very vulnerable because I, I think that's that's also what relationships are right it's like you have a stake in the other person being better so that you can also be better kind mm-hmm. of um, and I think there's a lot of vulnerability there um, oh so nice a ton of it is, yeah, yeah. I'm excited to check that out yeah <laughs> please, oh man I, I gotta say it's yeah. a great great yeah. album so in terms of, because um, you're both like 
art educators as well. Um, you know, obviously, I think the way that you perceive the world and your own being and how you're connected with others, um, you know, supports the, 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 the life and, and the mission of being an educator. Um, so I wonder if you could speak a bit more about that, whoever wants to. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> so you were just saying basically about what we do as a, as educators, or, or like how, how is it? Yeah. How is it all I have a couple yeah. thoughts. Um, <laughs> Think out loud, please. <laughs> yeah. So first, New York City is the most segregated school district in America, mm-hmm. and I find that unfathomable. Mm-hmm. It's it's preposterous, and it's. It has so much money, so much money to spend on education, and yet it's so unequal. So that makes me that makes me really mad, mm-hmm. and it makes me um, kind of confused and try and figure out like, well, how do we, how do, what is the answer to this? Right. Um, so I, I go, I check out a lot of after school programs, and one thing that I've, I'm finding is that after school for black and brown kids is essentially an extension of school. Mm -hmm. And I talked to a guy the other day who is connected to an organization called DYCD. DYCD offers a lot of funding for after school programs and they have some specific requirements that an after school program has to provide in order for them to get funding. One of them is that they have to have 90 minutes of um, STEM math or reading a week, so each children child should should experience ninety minutes of programming, and then they um, should also have a physical activity. They need to have essentially a gym, ninety minutes. And this guy talked to him, um, like literally bumped into him, and was like, "Oh, what do you do?" He's like, "I work for DYCD." I was like, "Oh." I have some questions for you. <laughs> and he had to go, but but one thing I asked was like, well, what are you what are you proud of mm-hmm. with the work that you're doing? He's like, well, we're we're working really hard to make it uh, not childcare, but high quality content and programming for children. That sounds like TV. Yeah, well, that, I mean, <laughs> the language. Yeah, I could see that. But what I I was kind of struck by is. After school programming is childcare. Mm-hmm. That should not be confused. We need to make it fun. We should absolutely make it educational. But to put such strict requirements on the programming so that children learn their math. I work with kids in after school programs that are supposed to sit down and do their math homework, but they have no idea how to do their math mm-hmm. homework. Mm-hmm. And we we need people that can support children with their you know with their math homework but even that sometimes is a challenge because mm-hmm. they have um, you know you get to work if you're if you're going to support kids in an after school program you work from 2:30 to 6 mm-hmm. 5 days a week and and that's not a lot of time that's not even a full-time job and so it, there's it's a challenge to keep people in these positions, but the kids are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. They are so full of love mm-hmm. and so much energy. And I think 
What we really need to give them are board games mm. because they're too, they're on their phone too much, <laughs> and we as <laughs> Faye is on her. Phone. I know. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm a child. I'm no, a child. No, it's okay. Um, and teach them crafts. I, I've worked with kids that don't know how to use scissors, and mm -hmm. it's really challenging them for them to 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 use glue. Um, basic handcraft <laughs> skills that mm -hmm. I learned mm -hmm. very early, um, and I think that might be a start, but I've, I'm also asking the question a lot of, if if you're going to send your child to a private school, a ch private school can be 32000 to $50,000 a year, which is like my college tuition, like mm -hmm. it's my, my debt essentially from college. And I thought, if you gave $5,000 to a public classroom, say, you send your child, you choose to send your child to the, the school closest to you. And rather than paying $30,000 for private school, you recognize, okay, this school isn't the best school, but I'm gonna, my, we live down the block, I'm going to invest in my community. As a parent, you are the best advocate for that school. And if you gave $5,000, you gave $1,000, to the classroom, I mean, $5,000, you can buy five MacBooks. Mm -hmm. And that changes Everything, the quality yeah. of the education. If you gave $1,000 to the library, they can buy books that otherwise are not making it into the library. And I think, why is it so segregated? It's because we are such individuals that we say, no, I want the best for my child. And I absolutely understand that. And I gotta say, I'm not a parent. And so I, I don't know what that decision is like. And so I, I don't fault people. But what I do see is that in choosing private education or creating public schools that offer an education only to wealthy people that are highly competitive, we're, we're again segregating the experience so that other kids are suffering and they don't have the resources that they need. Um, or the teachers that can just show up and, and love them, because that's a lot of it too, is just loving, loving the kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, for me, what I would have to say is that I am extremely grateful for those organizations who have invested in some type of form for um, uh, creating partnerships with schools, like mm -hmm. in terms of bringing teaching yeah. artists into mm -hmm. them, because that's essentially what I am. Like I'm coming, it's kind of like a third party situation, mm -hmm. but it's something that still works out in the sense of, I mean, we have schools that um, I come in and they're like, oh great, we haven't had, um, you know, an art teacher or music, mm -hmm. of course, we know those are the first things to get cut right, <laughs> from totally. any budget. Yeah. You know, the things that are really most beneficial for yeah. these students and various type of learners. Mm -hmm. um, oh, we haven't had, you know, an arts program in six years. And, like, hearing that is, I'm like, wait, what? That's what yeah. Like, these students, yeah. and we're talking about, uh, you know, a, a whole middle school, not just mm -hmm. one class, but a middle school. So it's three different grades, right. hundreds and thousands of students per year. Not you have, have not, any, yeah. yeah, have not had that at all. Um, and they just brought in um, a primary art teacher um, in uh, yeah, October, yeah, yeah. and now I will I will be working with her. That's great. Um, so a lot of the teaching artist work is after school based, um, which is 
you know, it's awesome in the sense where, yeah, there are some of the classes where they are just focused on their homework, but then they have, you know, these switch-off times and schedules where um, they're also bringing in, like, a dance instructor or a music instructor, and then you have the visual arts components, and it gives them um, a chance to kind of not jump around in a sense, but depending on when they schedule those um, teaching artists to come in, you know, giving the students a chance to... Um, take advantage of that and learn from these things and let it broaden, you know, them in so, so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because another part of it is is seeing, um, I don't know, it's just like, so I'm just, I'm thinking about everything that you said and yeah. I just have so many thoughts, right. you know, on it, but I I feel, I do feel completely honored to to be in this. And like you said, it may be like from 2.30 to 6 and that's not barely enough. <laughs> and also depending on the rates, you know, to even live, but I, I get so much from it and it is a continuous, you know, even struggle in terms of like always applying or right. sometimes yeah. fundings from these programs, of course, are cut from the organizations themselves. So they may not even contact you in right. terms of like having a residency or partnering you with a school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're, you're like continuously trying and things right. like this what? because you see the benefits, like you see um, firsthand and um, definitely there's also um, an English language learners mm-hmm. program that I teach and just seeing these students and even having some, um, as they can classify them, new arrivals right. coming in and some students who may not be so verbal, but through the experience of creating what crafts and visual art is just seeing that, you know, them flourish and like yeah. seeing their work has just been kind of indescribable. I I, I do love that New York City has so many organizations that Mm -hmm. are dedicated to education Mm -hmm. and offering services to communities that absolutely need them. A couple that I work with are CAMBA, Good Shepherds, as well as PAL, the Police Athletic League. Mm -hmm. And and so the, the organization I work with, I connect with them so that we can get our programming into schools. Right. And I am blown away by the dedication and the love that so many of, of the people working there offer the kids. And they are offering, they're offering food. There are, there are food shelters with some of these organizations. They're called community-based organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them work in housing, after-school all of the kids have a hot supper when they get to the after-school program. And then they're also partnering. I've, I've seen dancers come in and, and artists. And so I think that is really where a lot of great work is happening. And I want to see more of that. Yeah. Yeah. And when people are like, Donald Trump is, I don't know what to do. I'm going to give my money to sea turtles to make them have a better, like, I mean, we we Shout give out our money. Sea turtles, though. Still. I do. I mean, and sea turtles are dying because of plastic in our water. Just to go oh, back to that. Oh, come back yeah. to that. Um, yeah. But we give money to absolve our guilt, mm-hmm. and it's really easy to just quickly donate. But working in schools, showing up to an to a community based organization or a, a program that's based in PS two fifty two, and saying. I just want to, I have every Friday free mm-hmm. from this time to this time, and I'd love to tutor students or help them read or work in a classroom. And that goes so far. The best thing that's, the best thing uh, you can offer a child is a strong connection and a caring connection with an adult. Mm-hmm. And that can 
totally changed their lives. And yeah. I have to say it's absolutely changed my life, mm-hmm. a couple of teachers and adults mm-hmm. that have really um, supported me along the way. But if, if we really want to change and support our community by looking at those schools and saying, I bet I can go in there and offer shibori tie-dyeing or yeah. or hand-stitching or any craft because they are absolutely desperate for mm-hmm. programming. Mm-hmm. They are. They need, they need it. They are. And people who care about yeah, it. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I love this discussion. But Is it over? I have to go oh. laser cut something. But, you know, shout out Pam who's listening right now and I'm going over to oh, her hey studio. Pam. Hi, Pam. How are, Pam. How are you? She, was, she just texted me. She was like, oh, you're on the phone because you're texting with me. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, this discussion is so important, and I think, um, you know, the 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 message I think to the listeners um, and whoever you know gets to read the write up after, like when I do it, is that um, a lot of us, especially my friends, like we're and we work in tech. You know, we have semi flexible hours mm-hmm. um, in the sense that, you know, like we have a lot of perks right at the office. So if there's any free time. You know, when you're like, oh, I have sun, uh, like a summer Fridays, I get to go home at two, right? Like, let's go, you know, volunteer. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't take that much. We don't have to change any diapers. This is more <laughs> for myself, maybe, but um, <laughs> no diaper chaining necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it would, it would do everyone so much good and yourself as well. So that's sort of my like, let's get together and do it, um, sort of message to, like, slip, slip away into the Bjork ending theme song mm-hmm. <laughs> sounds good and I know I know there's so much that we can talk about and I hope that we can like all get together yeah. again it's sure. about talking it's about yeah. looking at the person next to you and saying how did you get here right and mm-hmm. actually recognizing that they have something to offer yeah. or you can have a conversation yeah mm-hmm. and, it, and it feels like sometimes like oh my god there's so much that I have to give up in order to do x y and z and I think I mean, we, we just all have to build this routine of, like, giving up certain things, too. But also, it's it's not so hard, right, right, to do it. Like, once you get into that habit, the habit is formed, and then you feel this, like, brilliant kind of love, um, you know, from the kids and, like, from what you're doing. So I, I hope that, you know, y- y'all are doing your work already, and it's amazing. But whoever's... You're doing an amazing job. <laughs> You're so... Yeah. Let's do, like, yes. a triangle yeah. hug. Well, actually, that's oh, how Faye so and I so met. Sweet. She, like, just came up to me, mm-hmm. and yeah. we started we talking. talking about double <laughs> We started talking about double I love eggs. it. <laughs> talk I, to more people. Yes. Thanks. Thank Definitely. you so very much. Yes. I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much, Faye. Oh, thank, thank you all so much. Um, and I'm going to thank, thank Bjork now, too. Oh, oh go to the, the third one now. I think the gate? Yeah, the yeah. gate? Okay, not, not deconstructed? Okay. Thanks. Bye, Goodbye. everyone. Bye, everyone. Goodbye, New York. I love you so much. <laughs>
Just more. 